0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello it's Anita here and welcome to the latest podcast. In this episode I'm talking with Rachel Perrin who's a co-founder of Soundcastle. Soundcastle is a community music organization that runs projects in the southeast and southwest and also has an online community to support music practitioners across the UK. It's kind of so much more than a community music organization if you look on their website so I'll let Rachel talk a little bit more about that. Um, But it's a really interesting model Rachel on definitely addressing a need and a gap in the market for community musicians and inclusive music facilitators. So welcome and thanks very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Oh you're welcome, it's it's just great to be talking after such a long time. So to start with could you tell me briefly how did you end up where you are today and why is it so important to you?
1: I've ended up here for, for many many reasons. I think I've ended up as a musician, because music is, has always been at the heart of my life. My dad writes children's musicals. and was a primary school teacher. So music oh. was always present in my family. It's a very musical world to come from. But also because my mum worked in social care, and I was, I guess, being very conscious of that world as well. So I kind of grew up in understanding the musical world, but also the social care world. And I guess it makes a lot of sense to have ended up <laughs> Running Soundcastle with the the history and the backstory that I have worlds came together, I
0: suppose. So, how did you kind of start your journey towards being a music facilitator? Where what happened at school and what happened after school, and then what what brought you to Soundcastle?
1: I think I was always interested in different forms of music making. As a teenager, I ran my own band and was very interested in all elements of of music making not just the actual music but the the kind of entrepreneurial space around it what it meant to work with people and to arrange things and to set things up so that definitely set me off on a track of wanting to build something of my own Mm. and then I went to Guildhall to study the clarinet which was a hugely formative and wonderful and challenging time and I think through my my journey there realizing that actually playing the clarinet was wonderful but it wasn't the end game was was a huge moment of realization that actually that wasn't the the destiny that I was kind of on track for in terms oh. of guiltless education was not quite the right one so there was a bit of a shifting point during my time there where I found myself exploring more collaborative practice working with actors working in movement thinking about education and other uses of music that made me feel creative in a way that performing music didn't always do
0: interesting And so where did you go after Guildhall? How did you find that place where you could develop as a facilitator?
1: So I did I actually did stay at Guildhall after um, because they had the right program but I so I think in my third year I was on a four-year undergraduate performance degree and in my third year I I hit the wall of this isn't my path I don't know where I'm going I was very emotional it was all a lot and that's when I, I fell into the the kind of leadership space. So Guildhall had a, a Master's in Music Leadership, which is closed now, but was an amazing programme. And I started to find myself in the right conversations um, with people that were on that programme and being able to go into some of those workshops. And that carried me through my fourth year and then onto the master's degree, which is where I met uh, my wonderful Soundcastle
0: co-founders. Ah, so the, the leadership, was that course, was that more community music based
1: yes yeah leadership is a funny term Mm. I think it was about community music it was about finding your voice as a practitioner as a facilitator it was basically about using music however best suited a community you found yourself in so that may have been in a professional capacity working on recording but it was a huge amount of it was about other contexts and and cultural contexts. we did a lot of traveling we did a lot of exploring other approaches to creative music making and how our voice might fit and where, yeah, where our where our own practice might fit within the landscape of community music.
0: And so was the masters similar? Oh sorry, that was the the Um, master. Before
1: that Ah. it was more that I was kind of dabbling in little bits of project work that master students were doing. Ah, okay. But yes, the masters was very much about helping you shape your story and your voice as a community practitioner.
0: And so from that point to here, have, mm-hmm. running a community music business, I guess, mm-hmm. with a social purpose, how did you get there?
1: Good question. And yes, we're now officially a charity too, so I can oh, say that and celebrate that's brilliant.
0: that. brilliant. Well yeah. done, because that's a hard process, isn't it? It's a
1: big process. Yeah. Yeah, it was one we treated ourselves to during lockdown. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. But we're there, 10 years, and we're a charity, so Amazing. that's nice. Um, how did we get here? We got here because... There were four of us on our well there were eight of us in our year on the masters program and four of us had an incredibly shared energy and vision and drive for working in a very specific way and challenging quite a lot of the ways out there of making music and we knew that we wanted to continue working together um, we weren't quite sure what that would be. We were all all co-founders are, are musicians. Um, no one had any business background, so it was quite it was quite oh. an interesting to, to form a business. The inspiration was because we saw a poster that said if you came up with a good business idea, you could win ten thousand pounds. And we were like, I think what we what we need is that seed funding to do something really exciting. We're not exactly sure what it is, but. Let's make it. And this was in the April of our final year of the master's. We had a couple of years before graduating. Wow. We were like, okay, let's do it. Let's form a business. Let's go all in, win 10,000 pounds, use that to set ourselves up and then work out what next. So that was the, the moment where we were like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's make a logo. Let's get a website. Let's do the things that make you to other people that like a business. And then inside really think about the practice and how we can work together and who, which communities we want to work with and what is it we're challenging. So yeah, that was the, the inspiration, I think.
0: Oh, I have so many questions. I'll try <laughs> to keep them to a minimal because we've got some other questions to go through that are equally <laughs> interesting. So where was that funding from? And did you get support from them to sort of develop those type of skills for running an organisation and business skills, that type of thing?
1: Uh, yes, we did. We uh, we won the award. It was the Deutsche Bank Pyramid Award. Oh, okay. Um, which doesn't exist in that form anymore. The Deutsche Bank Awards do still exist, just in a slightly different form. And they did also offer us a year-long business mentoring programme. So we had a mentor from Deutsche Bank, and we had quite a few training sessions in business startup
0: and what that was. And that was 10 years ago. And so now your website says that you support people and communities to make positive change through creative music making, coaching and training. So can you tell me a little bit more about what your organisation does now?
1: Sure. So... So Soundcastle's kind of got two main spaces we work in. Firstly, we work in community settings. So we run really long-term embedded programmes, often quite invisible programmes in hidden spaces in communities. So we have have two main programmes. One's Musical Beacons, which is working with families, and one is People's Music, which is working with adults on a journey of mental health recovery. And they exist and are developing in London, Bristol, and along the South Coast between kind of Worthing and Hastings. And then we also have our sector development work. So we do quite a lot of coaching other musicians, running training. We run an online platform called the Soundcastle Community. We have about 300 community musicians from up and down the country and and internationally, actually, who connect and share practice and ideas. And we launched that during lockdown. And that was a really lovely space for people to, to really share a lot in during lockdown. And we're just working out what next for that. And in, in terms of other sector support, we do a fair amount of consultancy for music hubs or other arts organisations that are looking to challenge their practice or make the work more inclusive or think about how to best reach their communities.
0: Well, that's really interesting. And what a good time to launch that support network. Yeah. So needed anyway, I guess, but yes. also, you know, really needed through lockdown. I'm really interested in something that's just popped into my brain that I mm. saw that that was on Twitter that says um, something about disrupting. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I think from the beginning, the idea of Soundcastle was not just to create cosy, lovely, happy music projects. We've always had an energy of disruption and wanting to challenge the system and the status quo and to really question how things happen. But it's finding I think what's been really interesting is doing that in a collaborative way. So finding ways to be disruptive whilst also being nurturing, this is kind of our, our constant <laughs> challenge, how we hold a challenge in a, in a kind of coaching way. So we're, we're, the majority of the director team are, are qualified coaches and we work a lot through a coaching approach. So, and coaching is all based around about challenge and reaching pe- meeting people at their level of challenge. We yes. kind of coined, coined a term through our, our mental health recovery group, the People's Music Collective, which is permission challenge, which is really working out where somebody is or an organization are, and then meeting their level of challenge on the day that you work with them. So it might be that some days we really aren't disruptive at all. We just hold people and we just support them and we nurture them. But there may be other days where we start to push a little bit more or to test or to explore and challenge where things are. And that might be a musical creative thing or it might be something like we, we talk a lot with partners about contracts and it sounds quite dry, but it's actually quite interesting when you dive in there around the language for example of partnership agreements so we talk a lot about how we we don't use the term participant we say community member um, because we believe that we co-create communities rather than people participate in soundcastle we kind of co-create and co-produce so there's this kind of subtle disruption within like testing how if that's okay with partners how that sits with them testing language through to more direct challenges I guess to the sector around how practice is delivered how co-production happens whether things really are truly inclusive but always from a place of how can we nurture collaboration how can we support things to be better rather than from a critical point of view
0: so organizations can bring you in as consultants who almost sort of critical friends with a coaching and a mentoring approach i think that's really fascinating by the way because community music to me seems so similar in approach to coaching and mentoring Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm sort of surprised almost that those two worlds haven't collided more really or it's not mentioned more because that's absolutely Mm -hmm. what you're doing isn't it music music mentoring
1: yes yeah and when we all when we did our coaching qualifications it was amazing to sit in that room and realize that the majority of the coaching practice was facilitation practice. Yeah. And it, so much of it, we were like, oh, this is just, this is what we do. Like, this is, it was so grounding and having like the qualification that. is brilliant, but it was also really yeah, validating to realize that that is, that is how we work. I think it's important to note as well, that's how we run the business. That's how we work behind closed doors as a, as a community of practitioners, as a director team, as a wider staff team. We adopt a coaching approach throughout the whole business, as well as in the consultancy and in the programs. And that's always been really important to us.
0: And so was coaching, that coaching training, did that come up, you know, when you worked with Deutsche Bank and had that business development support or did it come out up after that?
1: It was a few years back and we were all teaching. We were co-writing a BA for Guildhall in performance and creative enterprise. So supporting young people from different mediums through Guildhall, looking at their craft, but also looking at enterprise and how you can be both an artist and an entrepreneur and what that means. And through that, through writing that programme and developing our practice as teachers, we all did our coaching training.
0: Oh, right. Okay, you've done so much and you're doing so much, so many different styles. Yeah. Do you have something that brings it all together, like a theory of change?
1: Yes, we have both a theory different. of practice and a theory of change. Our theory of change is the newest one. Um, we've been working on that and it's still actually, it's still live. I think it will always be live, but it, it feels very live at the moment. We're still editing it. Um, daily but I think but yes it is bringing everything together and it's exciting because for the first time we're now lining up our evaluation across the whole business to fit with the theory of change so everything we do and every person we come into contact with the impact we have and the value that we bring and the interaction will all be captured through the evaluation and will should in theory hopefully line up with
0: the with the change that we want to see in the world that's so interesting i'm not even going to get into the evaluation conversation (laughs) because that will be probably four hours of a podcast but it is really interesting and i I suggest people sort of check that out and see see where you are on that journey because um yeah we can all learn so much from each other about about evaluation so can you summarize your theory of change and your theory of practice just in in sort of you know literally two sentences that might be a bit mean to ask (laughs)
1: No, that's great. Our, so our theory of practice is all about the creative process. Um, mm. And it's it's really about autonomy. The, the fundamental of it is about autonomy and how much creative autonomy the community member has and the facilitator has in the space and how we hold that and how we support people to hold more autonomy over their creative space. Mm. So that's the theory of practice. Mm. And then the theory of change is all about supporting people, practitioners, organizations to use music making as a tool for their own mental health and well-being we manage that through increasing confidence reducing isolation and enhancing well-being
0: and so do you have a sort of is there any part of that that's about change in the sector in community music in how community music is seen delivered practiced
1: yeah that is hugely important to us I think we really value advocating for kind of for different approaches within I think in terms of the theory of change it's so the overall vision is that people are embedding music in a really effective way for their for their mental health and well-being and that's where the sector development comes in that we challenge some approaches as to whether they are really effective or whether they are the best approach or the best match or whether they're co-produced so again it's not the main aim of Soundcastle but it is a really important element that sits around all the change that we want to see. And it's important because we're all about the ripple effect. Like we work with tiny numbers of people. We work with really small communities for many years. So we fought that with funders for so long now that that the funders seem more and more to understand that. And now it's about working out how we can have the wider impact that we want to have through the ripple effect of training and speaking and consulting, but keeping the projects safe and, and small as they need to be for the work to be
0: true and authentic. Oh, really interesting. So I know your organisation is founded on collective leadership and Mm -hmm. non-hierarchical structures. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a bit more about that in terms of how you work within the organisation and with and with partners for example?
1: Sure so within the organisation we have a co-director team of five and actually an evolving staff team which is really exciting as well and we're recruiting again at the moment and we recruited this summer and everything is based around collective decision making so we we do a huge amount of work on how to hold each other positively accountable like how do we, we we're always exploring creating a culture within Soundcastle of of healthy challenge. As I said, like the, the community music practice really ties in with um, the professional practice within the, within the team. So it's basically all about every voice being equally heard and valued and everything being shared responsibility, but people having their areas of expertise and leadership that they focus on. I think more mm. recently, we've been talking a lot about stewardship and stewarding areas of the business. So Somebody might be stewarding our individual giving, for example, but that doesn't mean that it's their job to do it. It just means that they make sure that they're supporting people to do it the best they can. It's kind of instead of managing, I suppose, instead of managing or or working in traditional hierarchical systems, we try and use tools that help us collectively manage or steward. Everything is based through the coaching approach, which, again, is about assuming the best. Like always there's so much love and so much trust in the organization Everyone holds everybody in the highest positive regard at all times. And if things slip, then it's about how do we support that work to happen? How do we support that person to feel safe and held? If anything does slip, that's because we collectively aren't doing everything we can be doing rather than anything ever being one person's responsibility.
0: You said that you provide consultancy for Mm organisations So would you provide that type of work as, you know, a consultancy project for an organization? Say, you know, I know that most people in the arts are liberal minded and would be mm-hmm. absolutely understand what you're saying. But there are many organizations that are quite old. They've yeah. been around for decades. And so those hierarchical structures are there already. You know, it's quite hard for an uh, older organization mm-hmm. to to suddenly bring that change about to be less hierarchical and more and um, particularly around collective decision-making because I think everybody yeah. knows the value of that now and, and the value of that for people feeling happy in work but also for innovation in organisations. But yes, yeah, so I suppose my question is, do you work with organisations to, to bring about change in those areas or would you?
1: Yes, yeah, we absolutely would. I think it's interesting. Often when people bring us in as consultants, They know that what they're bringing in. The reason they often, I think, drawn to Soundcastle is the energy and the the listening. The way that people are drawn to the way that the team listen to each other and that we make decisions and that communities are heard. And I think that is often the initial attraction. And it's often just getting through the door. Once you're in an organisation, then you start to have the really interesting conversations. So I think even if somebody doesn't necessarily think that that's what they want often it ends up being a really interesting part of the work because so much of any partnership has to be around decision making so it comes out through all of our consultation even if it's not the key focus
0: yeah absolutely completely understand that so when you what what are you mainly asked by organizations to do with them or for them
1: it's a real range I think at the moment the thing that people are are asking most for is support with developing new program models or embedding more co-produced inclusive practice within their hubs it's often it's mainly music hubs at the moment that we're working with that's Um,
0: interesting yeah
1: yeah sometimes more grassroots arts organizations it kind of goes in spirals um but at the moment there are a few music hubs so two of them and more specifically around musical beacons, our inclusive family practice, like how do they embed that kind of thinking in the organization? And how do they develop models? So musical beacons is a practice as an approach rather than a project, we don't sell it as a franchisable project, it's very much a, an approach to inclusive family music making. And we can go in and train people and work to, to recruit and develop the culture of inclusive family music making within a hubs so that's what a couple of them are doing with us right now and then we're about to start working with a number of the southwest london hubs looking at youth voice around digital inclusion and how their use of technology through the pandemic supported or didn't support young people's learning and what the response has been from young people to that so that's going to be really interesting working with a lot of young people on their reaction to their online learning and that will help the hubs develop a digital strategy to Go forward into 2022, 2023, and whether technology is a part of that, we don't know yet. It's it's going to be really interesting.
0: Wow! So. This links with this wider push towards equality, diversity and inclusion in mm-hmm. music hubs and music services. And yeah. some of the work that youth music have done with the Alliance for Musically Inclusive England, yes. I'm sure you've heard about that. So, mm-hmm. so this is sort of fascinating to know that you're you're working in that space too. So that's, you know, all about bringing some of the community music practice into hubs, which has been talked about for, for many, many years, really. But also, I guess, facilitating people already in those organisations who have those skills, those understandings, or those sort of desires to to bring that to work would you say
1: exactly and they know their people they know their young people they know their bases and their environment and I think so often what we're able to bring is just a slight a slight perspective shift or a slight challenge that just enables those practitioners to to find the creativity within themselves that sometimes it's hard if you've been in one space for a long time working in a certain way it doesn't need to be a huge shift of here's a program to learn it's just a shift of let's take the space to think and to talk and to explore what this might look like and what could this look like and what's relevant for these people that you know, and how can any of our backstory or experience support where you might want to go? It, yeah, it builds on people's knowledge and expertise rather than attempting to replace it or retrain them specifically.
0: So we're kind of talking because we we understand these parts of the sector and this part of working, mm. but I just wonder if to recap, you can kind of talk to me a little bit about community music practice, community voice and co-production. So for example, a music tutor from a music service who um, hasn't encountered that type of working before, you know, how would you explain how, how you work and how that might be something that would excite them?
1: I think to a music tutor, often one of the things we talk about is using the examples. Like if you were in a music lesson and you have your music stand and you have your young person with their instrument, so, so there's a glitch, like they keep playing something on the page and it keeps glitching, they're, they're missing a note or something's always out of tune, like it's just not landing. And you work through your kind of your approaches to that and it's not quite sticking where community music comes in is it's almost like the next layer out. If you can almost zoom out of there and imagine that you're 10 foot back and you're looking in and you could just shake it up like like they're in a snow globe. You could shake those two people and the instruments and the music stand up and then land them again. (laughs) What could that have been like? What could happen that would land that snow globe and mean that that glitch didn't happen anymore? Like, what is it that might help them get to that space? And sometimes if you're used to standing there looking at the music stand and the student, it's hard to get 10 foot back and do something completely different or creative or just out of your your repertoire of tools. Because sometimes we just need to get out of that, the repertoire of things we know that work. And we will always meet students that that doesn't work for. So where do you, if you step back and find your creative space as a tutor and take the time to think, it might be that actually what we need to do is step away from our instruments or move or draw something or stand back to back and play whatever it is. Like how can shaking it up impact on that moment in time? So it's not about it being that that student needs to learn to improvise. I think that's often a, a, a misconception in community music. It's not yeah. just about improvisation yeah. or, or just clapping in a circle or doing something completely left field from what you're trying to do. It can just be about that shifting perspective to help both of you find your creative voice that helps you get to the
0: moment you want to read yeah that's really interesting another aspect of your work that's really important to you I know is practitioner and staff well-being Mm -hmm. both in your own organization and those you work with so how Mm -hmm. how does that affect your organization the way it's run and the way that you work with people
1: it's embedded in everything I think from the way that we start our meetings like we don't start a meeting without a well-being check-in oh nice and then yeah, it's nice. Sometimes it slightly derails, but it's beautiful and important. Yeah.
0: Um I tend to sort of launch into meetings because I'm so focused on what we have to do. And I've realized recently that it's so much more helpful to take a little bit of a breath sometimes if people allow you to do that, if people welcome that. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's true. You have to meet people where they are. But I think our team now is so used to that. But well being is embedded in our in our meetings and our team days it's there we offer external supervision for practitioners working in particularly challenging settings beyond the support of the of the core team that's that's something
0: that a lot of community musicians say they don't get or musicians generally that's so great
1: and we can hold a certain amount of that in-house using coaching practice but sometimes it's incredibly useful to have an external supervisor we're also really Agile as an organization. If there's a personal situation for somebody that means they can't be there or they need to work online or they need to juggle things, we will always sub in. Like we always find a way to juggle. So we do anything we can to hold each other to make sure that no one ever feels, well, to aim that no one feels guilty or that Soundcastle is a weight or a burden. It needs to feel like a creative, inspiring, supportive space or we can't serve the communities that we exist to serve. So that takes a lot but it means we're still here after 10 years and I genuinely do not think we would still be here if we hadn't lived that approach for that time and held each other through the things that we've been through as a team and now it's exciting because we're expanding and we're working out how to write that down and how to shift that from a a basis of love and friendship and respect to, to still be those things but also to be policies and to be practices and to be scalable working practices as we grow and things that we can support other organisations to embed and develop as well and not be scared of.
0: Another thing that I'm always really interested in is with organisations is how they communicate and market their work, particularly when you're an organisation working for a social purpose. Mm -hmm. It can feel as though it's not comfortable or people can Mm -hmm. almost not like a social socially sort of engaged organization marketing too heavily I mean it's Mm -hmm. it's never really about marketing is it it's more about relationships but yes I'm just interested in how you communicate and market your work and how your values affect that
1: I think that's super interesting we're exploring this all the time I think for us it's always about having an asset-based approach to everything that we do so it's been interesting actually in the shift to becoming a charity and looking at a lot of the charity narratives and how to stay on the asset-based side of that. So always celebrating the achievements of people we work with or the journey they've been on or the music that they're making rather than diving into sob stories effectively or like the gritty. Mm. I mean, we could, we really could go there. Like yeah. we work in some tough spaces and it is heartbreaking work, but that is not what the people in those spaces, that's not their relationship with Soundcastle. So we we aim that anything we ever say or market or present that somebody involved in the work is proud to be represented in that way that they would look at that and identify themselves as a creative part of the organization who's on a journey with us rather than as somebody that's being saved by something or helped by something in the kind of outdated charity model I guess so
0: yeah and I like that 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 they're almost part of the team part of the creative practitioner team
1: yes and we take case studies back to people we make sure that everybody is entirely comfortable with the with the story that we're telling the world that's really really important mm.
0: um,
1: that's what that is that is a huge value and one of our core organizational values is optimism and i think that's important that that runs through all of our comms and our storytelling but however challenging things are we stay optimistic and we support people in all these settings to be optimistic who
0: is your market then
1: it's so, <laughs> so we're I are having this thinking, discussion on monday <laughs> so oh, you
0: how weird I, I was just thinking in terms of you know is is it a charity model sort of you know your main market is is funders or do you have commissions from i don't know mental health trust local authorities
1: it's really mixed it's really mixed and this does make it challenging to be consistent with messaging and who you're speaking yeah. to which is why we always come back to if the people that we work with are proud of the message then we just then that's on point and that's okay and then it's just who sees it but i think we're still predominantly grant funded and actually predominantly project funded still we're on a a mission to achieve core funding as I'm sure many people listening
0: yeah yeah good luck Um, yeah
1: thank you Uh, so that's that's where we are like financially but we also we do bring in other revenue so for example through consultancy or coaching and our training programs it's still a smaller part of our revenue but it is an important and ever-increasing one So it shifts, our market shifts from being funders, whether that's national or or very regional or local funders, to individual community musicians, to hubs, to grassroots arts organisations or to individual givers, like we've launched an individual giving programme. So that's a whole new world of thinking about donors and how people oh, yeah. can support and how to make sure the message is there that you can support mm. Soundcastle because until now, financially,
0: it wasn't such an easy thing. Well, that sounds really smart approach because you need to diversify your income strands all the time, don't you? Yeah. Um, so I think we're probably running out of time, but finally, could you give us three practical pieces of advice or inspiration or maybe tips for others working in... In music and social change?
1: Yes, I would say listen to your instincts. I think that is hugely, hugely important, whether that's about where you go with the organisation or how you interact with a person one to one in a setting. Trusting yourself is hugely, hugely important. I think being part of the community is vital, being part of the conversations, having friends in community music and music education, celebrating what that is to connect has been huge for us. And I would recommend that to anybody. And thirdly, I would say it is about optimism, believing that the sector can be better, that we can all be better and that we can reach more people. And if you believe that, then your work will reflect that. If we all think that and believe that, then the sector will magnify and the reach will magnify and the whole country will be singing and beautiful and music will be healing. We just need to do it together and not in competition with each other.
0: Lovely thoughts. There's some brilliant thoughts to end on. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's been great talking to you and I'd love to talk to you again. Let's talk again soon. Absolutely. I would
1: love that. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, thanks, Rachel. If you want to read more about Soundcastle, I will share various links in the show notes from this episode. And thank you for listening. That's the end of our show this time. Thank you for listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes. If you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.